Man, this place is falling apart. Because we didn't have candy for the rest of the year. Expect the unexpected. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, since we're so close to Halloween, it's time for our annual Halloween episode. I always try to do something Halloween-related every year, whether it's talk about stories or talk about trick-or-treating or give you my candy list, which we've done and replayed. We won't do that again this year. We'll save that again for next year. But I've also told stories here. I guess it was in Season 3 we read The Telltale Heart, Edgar Allan Poe. Halloween is that time where you're supposed to get scared. You're supposed to get nervous. You're supposed to be worried about ghouls and goblins crawling around in your attic or your cellar or wherever they are. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. As I've said before, I've never been a big fan of that part of Halloween. For me as a kid, Halloween was about the candy. Getting dressed up was fun. Yeah, I loved that. But the most important thing was going out and getting candy. I didn't care about the haunted houses. I didn't care about people jumping out and scaring me. I mean, I cared about it because I didn't want to be scared. I didn't like it. That's not what Halloween was about to me. To me, it was about the candy. But we all know Halloween is about scary stuff. People love the haunted houses. I've been to haunted houses. People like the haunted corn mazes. I've been to those too. But people like the scary stories too. That's why there's so many of those horror movies that come out at Halloween. People want to see that stuff at Halloween. And that's why I read The Telltale Heart a couple of years ago. We like those scary stories. So what I thought I'd do today is share some more scary stories with you. Now, one thing I've noticed over the years, and I'm sure you've noticed it by listening to this podcast and other podcasts, there's a difference between reading a story and telling a story. And it's always interesting to read somebody's story, but there's something personal about telling the story like making it about yourself. So what I'm going to try to do today is tell you these stories that I've accumulated either out of the books that I have or from my research online. And some of the stories I'm about to share with you, I'm going to tell you from a first-person perspective, but I want to put a disclaimer out there. None of these are my stories. These are not my stories. These are stories that I found or collected, but I want to tell them to you to give you the right feeling of being scared, of being nervous, of thinking about the possibility that this could have happened. Now, before I do any of that, we have to go to the Halloween room. We haven't been to the Halloween room in two years. We didn't go last year. So we have to go to the Halloween room this year. So let's go. And yes, I did move the furniture around so the walk is not quite as long as it used to be. We're going to pull up our chair here, settle down in our Halloween room. We're going to fire up that ambiance and let's go. Of course you have to tell horror stories with the right ambiance. Where's the fun in it if you don't? So what I've got here for you are some stories that I've collected both offline and out of the short story books that I have. Yes, I have short story books including ghost stories and haunted houses and all that kind of thing. Because I like stories like that. I don't like movies like that, but I like stories like that. I've always read ghost stories and demon stories. I go through my phases... But what I have here for you are a couple of first-person accounts that I'm going to tell you. Then what I also have for you are some two-sentence horror stories. And so I'm going to share some of those two-sentence horror stories with you. And the last thing that I have for you is a couple of haunted house, haunted hotel stories that just fascinated me. And so I wanted to share those stories with you as well. The last one is particularly freaky because there's an actual video on YouTube, and I'll put the link up in the description to this episode, 
There's an actual YouTube video about the person involved in the last story that I'm going to tell you. And it's really kind of disturbing when you watch the video and hear what happened to the person. And that's going to be the last story. Again, my disclaimer, I'm telling you these stories. These are not my stories, but I'm going to tell them to you as if they are. So here we go. My grandfather told me this story about how one time he was sitting in a chair on the front porch of his house. And as he was sitting there, he heard Grandma calling him from inside the house. But this was really weird because Grandma died three years earlier. But Grandpa said that the voice was so insistent and so demanding that he actually got up from the chair on the front porch, walked inside to see what Grandma wanted, even though he knew she was dead. As soon as he got inside the house, he heard a loud crash from behind him, and he turned around to see that the iron gutter hanging above the porch had just smashed through the roof and crushed the chair he'd been sitting in. If he hadn't heard Grandma's voice calling him, that gutter would have killed him. Now, I don't know if that's a ghost. I don't know if that was Grandma watching out for him. But every time I think about that, it sends chills down my spine. See, that's the kind of story I'm talking about. That first-person narrative, it sounds like it could have happened. Here's another one. When I was a kid, I was scared of the dark. I swore to my mother that I heard voices in the dark. It always bothered me. They weren't evil voices, but they weren't familiar either. It's nobody that I knew, and so they scared me. I'd often wake up in the middle of the night to hear the whispers of these voices. My mom always said it was just nightmare stuff and dreams, not to worry about it. I always told her it was more than that. There was something more to them. There was some substance to them. They sounded different to me from the way ordinary people's voices sounded. But she said it was just my nightmares. But on some nights when the voices got particularly loud, mom would let me come and sleep in the bed with her and dad. And that always helped make the voices quiet down, disappear. One night I heard the voices close to Christmas time. I remember it was close to Christmas time because my mom had these poinsettia lights up on the railing and I had to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And as I was walking down the hall, I heard one of the voices call out to me, look. And I looked down the hall and at the top of the stairs, there was a red light, almost like a spotlight. And it was being projected on the wall like one of the poinsettia lights, except it was very bright, almost like one of those laser pointers. But the poinsettia lights were off. There were no other lights on in the house, just a red spot on the wall. I was still just a little kid in a red light at Christmas time and poinsettia lights around the house. I figured it had to be Santa, right? It made sense. A red light, Santa. That's how he kept track of me. That's how he'd know if I was being good or bad. So I was actually kind of excited to see the red light on the wall. So I started walking down the hall to get a better look at the red light. And I started tiptoeing down the hall, getting closer to the top of the stairs. And the red light started to fade. So I picked up my pace a little bit because I really wanted to see what the red light was showing. And that's when I heard it. It was a very strong, masculine voice. Stronger than my dad's, deeper than my dad's. The voice said, stop right now. Go back up those stairs. Something about the voice scared the crap out of me. I spun around and I sprinted up the stairs and dove back into bed with my mom and dad. As I dove under the covers, I heard a huge crash coming from downstairs. But nobody else moved, and I didn't hear another sound for the rest of the night. When we got up the next morning, the poinsettia lights on the railing, they were pulled straight down to the bottom of the stairs. They weren't on the railing anymore. They were in a pile at the bottom of the stairs, like someone had yanked them down. And the china closet that was on the wall, where all my mom's fancy plates were, crashed to the floor. That was the sound that I'd heard. 
Mom couldn't explain it. Dad couldn't explain it. Nobody knew what had happened or why it had happened. My dad thought that somebody had broken into the house. My sister was crying. But there was nothing missing. None of the locks were broken. None of the windows were broken. There didn't seem to be any explanation for why this happened. But the only thing I knew is that after that night, I never heard the voices again. Not even a whisper. That's the thing about a good horror story, a good haunted story, a good paranormal story. It gets in your head and it sounds plausible and it makes you want to know more. You want to see what happened. You want to understand what happened. And it leaves you guessing. That's one of the things I loved about finding these two-sentence horror stories. These were really cool to me because in two sentences, these stories accomplish more than a lot of other stories you've ever read. Now, these were in an article compiled by a writer. I want to give credit where credit is due because I didn't write any of these. But unfortunately, the only credit on these stories are internet handles. I think they're from a Reddit article, so I'm going to give you the Reddit handle for each of the people who wrote the stories, or at least submitted them. I don't even know if they wrote them, but I don't want to pass these off as my stories. The first one is from J.M. Person. The last thing I saw was my alarm clock flashing 12.07 before she pushed her long, rotting nails through my chest, her other hand muffling my screams. I sat bolt upright, relieved it was only a dream. But as I saw my alarm clock read 12.06, I heard my closet door creak open. Now that's a story, right? Hmm? Hmm? In two sentences, you've got a whole scenario there. Here's one from Miami Metro. Growing up with cats and dogs, I got used to the sounds of scratching at the door while I slept. Now that I live alone, it is much more unsettling. Here's one from DRRD777. A girl heard her mom yell her name from downstairs, so she got up and started to head down. As she got to the stairs, her mom pulled her into her room and said, I heard that too. Here's one from Vault Kid 321 I can't sleep, she whispered, crawling into bed with me. I woke up cold, clutching the dress she was buried in. And finally, a very short one from Guztalas. There was a picture in my phone of me sleeping. I live alone. See, each of those is so weird and so disturbing on so many different little levels. You could do a really detailed story and dig into the facts and the scenes set by those. But just those two-sentence stories? Oh, they can send a chill up your spine. The other thing I wanted to share with you today is a couple of haunted house slash haunted hotel stories. There are dozens and dozens of these. And while I don't necessarily believe in haunted houses, I don't necessarily disbelieve in haunted houses. There's just enough weird stuff out there. There's just enough unexplained phenomena. There's just enough stuff out there that we can't quite figure out that I never discount the possibility that there are spirits, energy, paranormal phenomena out there. And that's why these haunted house stories always fascinate me. The first one is about the Winchester Mystery House. It's the classic tale of love, loss, and lunacy. You'll see what I mean. 
You may have heard of Winchester rifles. Back in the 1800s, they were a big gun manufacturer. William Winchester was the owner and president of the company. Sarah Winchester was his bride and ultimately his widow. William and his daughter died suddenly, and Sarah, his widow, was just beside herself with grief. After the death of her husband and her infant daughter, she visited a spiritual medium who told her that the deaths were revenged by the evil spirits of those who were killed by Winchester rifles. And Sarah believed this. She accepted this. She came to believe that the only solution to protect herself from these evil spirits was to build a huge house. She'd make it so big and so confusing that the spirits would never be able to find her. Now, because of the death of her husband, she inherited well over $500 million in today's money. And she moved from New Haven, Connecticut to San Jose, California. That's where she got busy building a mansion where she could hide out and where she could confuse the spirits and the paranormal who were all out to get her. Now, Sarah Winchester never explicitly said that this was her purpose, but the builders who helped build this mansion reported that they had daily seances during construction. Sarah allegedly tried to reach out to good spirits in order to consult them on how to appease those who haunted her. But she began building the house, and it took her 38 years to complete the house. Ultimately, the Winchester Mystery House had 160 rooms. There were 2,000 doors in the house, 10,000 windows in the house. There were 47 stairways, 47 fireplaces, 13 bathrooms, and 6 kitchens. The house featured secret passageways, upside-down columns, rooms that were sealed off, and staircases that led nowhere. Even the bathrooms were meant to be confusing. There were 13, but only one actually worked. The house survived an earthquake in 1904. After Sarah died in 1922, the legend of the house grew as visitors claimed to have heard distant footsteps in the bedrooms, doorknobs turning by themselves, and even drastic temperature changes in the house. The house has been open for public tours, and as recently as 2016, they found yet another secret room in the house. Nobody can explain the footsteps, nobody can explain the doorknobs, and nobody can explain the drastic temperature changes, and nobody knows for sure exactly why she built the house the way she did. But she did. The last story I want to share with you involves the Cecil Hotel. The Cecil Hotel is in Los Angeles. And the Cecil Hotel has been a magnet for disturbing instances, mysterious disappearances, unexplained deaths. It's a weird place. A young woman named Alyssa Lamb is one of the most recent instances of weirdness at the Cecil Hotel. But I'm going to talk to you about her in a second. Before we get to her, we're going to go back to the beginning. The hauntings in the hotel date back to 1927, back when the hotel opened. Since then, there's been 16 murders in the hotel. There have been multiple suicides, and there have been innumerable events that have just simply not ever been explained. In 1934, Army Sergeant Louis Borden slit his own throat with a razor while staying at the hotel. Four years later, Roy Thompson of the Marines jumped off the roof. In 1944, a young woman named Dorothy Purcell woke up with stomach pain, entirely unaware that she was about to give birth. She did give birth in the hotel, then threw the baby out the window was arrested and institutionalized. In 1962, a 65-year-old gentleman named George Giannini was taking a walk past the Cecil Hotel when he was killed. He was killed by the falling body of a 27-year-old woman who'd leapt off the hotel's ninth floor. 
Back in the 1980s, there was a serial killer in Los Angeles called Richard Ramirez. He was known as the Night Stalker. You may have heard of him. If you haven't, you can certainly Google Night Stalker Los Angeles and find out who he was. He actually lived at the CISA Hotel, at least for a time. The hotel actually was home for another serial killer, an Austrian named Jack Unterweger. He also lived there briefly. One of the most recent disturbances, disappearances associated with the Cecil dates back to 2013. Not that long ago. And it's so recent that there is video on YouTube. I put the link up to that video in the description of this episode so you can check it out. I've watched it. It's weird. Here's what happened. Alyssa Lamb is a tourist from Canada who is staying at the Cecil. Alyssa suddenly disappeared. Nobody could find her. They had no idea where she was. They had her on video in the hotel, getting into the elevator, then getting out of the elevator. After that, she disappeared. Nobody knew what happened to her for a couple of weeks. But guests at the hotel began experiencing low water pressure. The management of the hotel checked out the infrastructure, and that's when they found Alyssa's body in the hotel's rooftop water system. She'd been there for over a month. Nobody knows how she got into the water system. There's no video of her going into the water system. There's no video of her with anybody. In fact, the video that shows the last moments of Alyssa's life leave a lot of questions and give us absolutely no answers. The video reveals nothing except Alyssa seeming confused. And that's probably the most disconcerting thing about this whole story, because you can actually see her just before she disappears. And we have no idea how or why she disappeared. That's what probably makes it such a haunting and disorienting and disturbing story. Unlike some of those old stories we've heard about or read about, we actually have video of this woman before she disappeared, just before she disappeared. And it looks weird. And yet we'll never know what happened. Those are the kind of stories that always pique my interest. Yes, around Halloween time, of course, but actually anytime. Those kind of stories, that's why I like shows like Unsolved Mysteries. Those kind of stories appeal to me. Just like I was talking about in our episode about the ghost ship, these weird stories without explanation, without clear cause, the ones that make you scratch your head and go, hmm, I love that kind of stuff. It scares me too, but I do love that kind of stuff. And I had to share it with you for Halloween, of course. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I appreciate your support, and I thank you for all the time you spend listening to these episodes. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.